and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host as always, Stephen Murphy, joined again by Johnny B uh, from the, the Atlantic Sports Podcast. It's third time in a week, Johnny. This is becoming a regular a regular yeah. thing now. Uh, it must be it must be the NFL and NBA season in the midst of it all when you're when you're on it this much. But uh, we're back on again, yeah, to talk about some NFL uh, the weekend just gone by, we had four uh, pretty good games. Actually, no real dead ringers like the weekend before. We had a couple. Um, but first, we do have, and again, sponsor Dome Depot have come true again and sponsored this podcast. Uh, Dome Depot is uh, the home of premium NFL and NBA hats and beanies. Uh, you can request any hats from your favorite team, and the lads will do their best uh, to sort you out and get that. Uh, Dome Depot, don't be dull, warm your skull. Uh, and give the boys a follow over on Instagram at dome underscore depot underscore x. I got a deliciously beautiful uh, Baltimore Ravens hat uh, sent to me by the boys, and you've seen it, Johnny. It's pretty good. It's pretty sweet, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it is, uh, and it just paints the picture. I think now that you're so you're a closet Ravens fan, yeah. season, so <laughs> without <you know. laughs> even me knowing it, I, I am a Ravens yeah. fan now for life. Uh, big, I was always a big Ray Lewis fan, so maybe maybe underneath I have been. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, with the Ravens, we'll get to them. Not not a good weekend for them. But uh, no. sorry, Johnny. How rude of me. First of all, how are you? <laughs> Great. Not too bad now. Uh, good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Um, I guess I'm kind of like a bad smell at this stage. You can't really get rid of me on this podcast. But as you mentioned, you know it's a busy time for the NFL in particular. Uh, we are, I think we're also going to preview the McGregor fight. Uh, we are as right, Johnny. Yes, so first, stay tuned uh, for that. Yeah, a master done premiere, some US, UFC talk. Uh, mm. So yes, it's, it's good to have you on for that because you are very knowledgeable in that area and McGregor fight. So there's always a bit of uh, excitement around that. In fairness to him, yeah. like him, I love him. He's he's entertaining uh, at least. So, mm-hmm. but we'll start with NFL. We'll we'll touch on the UFC at the end. But we'll start with the first game: the Packers uh, versus the Rams. Uh, this game was. Pretty entertaining, actually. I have to say, I wasn't, uh, especially after the first half. I thought it would be fairly dead in the second half, but it sort of, uh, it sort of, it wasn't too bad. I think the first thing we just have to talk about is Aaron Rodgers looks to be, I don't want to say a prime Aaron Rodgers, but he's not far off it. It was that's what it looks like anyway, Johnny, doesn't it? Yeah, it's mad to think in his late thirties we think of Aaron Rodgers in his prime, and that's kind of the way the quarterback picture is going. Because in the opposite end, we'll talk about Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and they looked old uh, in their game in comparison. So, yeah, for Rodgers to be doing what he's doing after you know this long, I, I really think Aaron Rodgers got a chip in his shoulder now because I think he is. I heard a stat on the podcast; he's zero and three in his last three divisional games. Um, or championship games, which he now is in into another one now. So, you know, he'll have a chip on his shoulder to try and make it to a Super Bowl. And, you know, you, you can kind of look back on some of those Packers teams and think, you know, they really could have got themselves towards Super Bowl contention uh, for, for many years because they've been winning teams for for a long time. You know, Rodgers has, has been kind of the consensus best quarterback in the NFL in the last 10 years. There's all the arguments about the GOAT quarterback and all this and that, but, you know, we have to put it to him and and, and say that he is probably the the, the best quarterback of the last 10 years and what he's produced. So this was another clinic, I guess you could say, from from Aaron Rodgers and and against a a tricky Rams team that have caused a lot of teams' issues this year. It was definitely a a hurdle to overcome. Yeah, this was pitched as the the best offense against the best defense obviously the rams having the best defense coming into it um unfortunately i think you know the the old saying of defense wins the championships 
I think it's it with the rule changes and how you know the quarterback so protected. It's not the case so much anymore. I think. I think if you have a really good offense, it's it's more powerful than a really good defense these days. Uh, Rogers definitely, uh, you know, the best quarterback the last ten years. I think you could definitely say the most talented. Uh, like the things he can do with the ball and the w- the flick of a wrist and the ball goes forty yard. Like it is incredible. He doesn't not a big wind up. It's not a big shoulder turn. It literally is just a a quick flick and the ball is like a ball has gone thirty yards on the pitch and it's just it is incredible to watch and we've seen the the viral clip sort of him going around now. You know he's going down to get the ball and he's smiling because he's just enjoying himself and it's like. It must be really uh, frustrating to play against someone who you're trying to absolutely kick the shit out of, and he's just laughing like he's playing like in his back garden with a with a couple of kids or something like that. That's what it, that's what it literally looks like. Um, and credit to like, like Matt Lafleur, the head coach, when he when he came in first, there was you know the reports of him and Rogers not getting on that well. There was a lot of friction between the two because he was trying to instill this offense that it you know the NFL is such a we need results now kind of business that you know he knew it was going to take a while now we're seeing the real fruits of that and how good they have been this year and I think you're right Rodgers had a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder this year especially when they drafted Jordan Love I think it was in, in the draft yeah. Uh, yeah. a quarterback and you know shockingly enough Rodgers wasn't all that pleased with that because uh, obviously he still thinks he's got it and he does he proved that the other day he still has exactly what it takes uh, and he was just fantastic. But this game, this game should have been out of sight for the Packers in the third quarter. There was a couple of drops uh, uh, that were, if they're caught by the right player, they're probably touchdowns. Um, but the Rams did a great job of hanging around, didn't they, Johnny? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it was closer, I think, than the scoreline suggests because there was a kind of Hail Mary throw by Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter uh, to Lazard, who has been really consistent for them all season um, and, and that kind of made a bit of a gap in, in the scoreline but the two kind of big talking points going into this game was that would this be a coach off which is not a regular talking point because Matt LaFer and uh, Sean McVay I think were both uh, understudies in was it Washington or something of the likes I think um, and the, the two of them wasn't I think it was San Francisco? No, it wasn't San Francisco. Could have been San Francisco. I yeah, so. could have been San Francisco. Yeah. Was I think they served on the same coach and setup anyway. And a lot of people had more faith, I guess, in Sean McVay going forward, just because Sean McVay is is an incredible coach, and we've seen that over the last couple of seasons. But then the other big one was Aaron Donald's health, um, and he was heavily padded up going into this game. You know, he did seem to be quite active on the defensive end. He definitely uh, gave it his all out there, but that's a huge piece of your defense to, uh, you know, try and recover from. And if he's not at a hundred percent, it's hard to think that the Rams are at a hundred percent. So, you know, that was unfortunate for them, but I really think Stephen, that the Packers kind of their three headed monster offensively and Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams is up there with the best in the league. And it's, I've seen this over the last couple of seasons. The problem for, for that trio has been health. And they haven't been able to stay healthy. Uh, Rogers, I guess, his form has to contribute to it a bit as well. And the fact that he's in form and and Jones and Adams are healthy means that that offense is is pretty unstoppable and it's really really clicking for them. Um, but to kind of turn it on to the defense, I think that the Packers' defensive line probably won them the game. 
because the big talking point was how would Jared Goff do as quarterback for the Rams coming in now, you know, wasn't chosen as a starter last week, probably because of his health issues, but maybe he felt there was a deeper decision than that. And there was a couple of plays where Goff was getting his rhythm and second, third downs where it looked like he was going to move the ball down the field and uh, the Packers managed to sack him a couple of times, which kind of stifled the Rams' offensive momentum, I think, throughout the game. So, a credit to the Packers, a great all-round performance, and I would not like to face them now in the championship round. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey had a pretty poor game on the defensive side too uh, for the Rams, and that's unfortunately, I think he is that kind of player now where he has the games where he is literally the best corner in the league, and then he also has a game like the other day where he just wasn't just wasn't up to par. Um, yeah, I think you make a good point as well um, with the coaching. Like, McVeigh is... A really good coach. I don't think anyone can doubt that. Um, and apparently his relationship with Goff, as you mentioned, apparently it is strained. And Goff actually, in fairness, I talked commented. I was chatting to one of my other mates about it, and I said, if Goff is starting, then I, I don't give them any chance at all. But he was a lot better than I thought he was going to be because uh, he came on in yeah. that game. You know, came on instead of the guy who got injured and looked rusty let's just say that but then he has come off surgery but yeah that third quarter he led a couple of nice drives and he throws some nice passes and as you say if he, if they had a bit more protection who knows what could have happened in that game it could have been really close but I want to call out a play by McVeigh did you see this it was a two point conversion uh, it's called the hook and lateral I think it's basically what it's called but they passed to a guy on a two point conversion and he caught it and then shipped it off again to a player coming around on the loop kind of basically it's yeah. like a rugby player basically and I've been saying it for so long. Why don't more teams do this? Because no defense is expecting that, uh, especially no, when no. you're that close to the line. And it seems like so. I've seen several uh, scenarios where there's a player on the outside of another guy, and the, you know it could be a two on one. And instead of the, they try and go through the guy, if they just literally do a rugby pass, which is legal, once it's backwards, mm. it's totally legal. Mm-hmm. It's a certain touchdown, and it's. I feel like. If a team really went and got a, a rugby coach in, especially on the tackling end of things, the tackling in in the NFL can be so bad sometimes in like letting people continue to run. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a, a simple basic tackling of wrapping around the legs and taking the legs from underneath them. And I think the, a, an NFL team between that and occasionally, I'm not saying put it into every play, but the occasional trick play like that where teams aren't expecting it, I think they could really benefit from something like that because it was incredible. Did yeah. you see? Do you remember seeing that? Yeah, yeah, it was a great. It, it it was it was kind of on the the. I think there was the left corner, where they didn't have much room, but they created the space with the the kind of offload essentially. And it's been done before. It's not frequent, and I think you're right in calling it out and saying it probably should be a bit more frequent. Because one that comes to mind is Travis Kelsey in the playoffs last year yes. when he caught it in the middle and kind of laid it off. And you know, it was we were looking at that and being like, geez, that's incredible, that play. But it's pretty simple on paper. You know, when you bring in the, the rugby comparison and how, you know, that's basically how rugby offense works pretty much. Like, so, yeah, no, it, it definitely should be something that should feature. And you mentioned the tackling as well. I, I think that's a very good point. And even, you know, there's a lot of rough in the passer calls and we even saw it this weekend. If... Uh, they were able to train uh, some of their defensive guys up at maybe a safe kind of, uh, you know, low leg tackle, like rugby style almost on, on some of the quarterbacks. There's definitely no way you could call roughing the passer on some of those. So, Yeah, the rule is I think if you put your body pressure on them, isn't it? Land on them with your yeah. body. That's, yeah. yeah, you take that out of the occasion, uh, out of the, you know, out of the ref's mind. So, 
Um, exactly. But I think you're right. Packers, I definitely, if if Mahomes doesn't come back 100%, I think they are going to go and win the Super Bowl. I think they, they are that good offensively. They look they look that good, and Rodgers is in that form. So, uh, credit. So they, yeah, they they go on to face. Uh, well, we'll get to that Tom Brady soon. But well, next game was Bills versus Ravens. Uh, this game was probably the worst game. Well, I think it was the worst game of of the four. This you know three all three three at halftime really says it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither quarterback could get really anything going against the opposition defense. Um, the defense kind of got the better of both teams on that. But what was your initial thoughts of this game, Johnny? Yeah, you know, I mean, defense is, is the one word that comes to mind for this game. It was really strong, especially from that Ravens defense, because the Bills have been very, very good and, and fluid offensively. And you could kind of see with the uh, the plays of Josh Allen that he was frustrated in the pocket. He was moving about, but just couldn't get the passes that he wanted to out. And it didn't look good for the Bills going into the third quarter. It looked like, you know, if anyone was going to produce something from the game quarterback-wise, it probably would have been Lamar Jackson's game on the feet. But ultimately, when uh, it was kind of a couple of plays went the Bills' way, very, very tight game, but a couple of plays went the Bills' way. They managed to to gain a 17-3 lead, and this was kind of when the comeback was on. But unfortunately, Lamar Jackson found himself injured in the fourth quarter. And uh, I don't even know the name of the replacement quarterback that came on for the Ravens, but a lot of pressure on him to try and produce in that fourth quarter to, to bring back the deficit. But it's unfortunate. There is a what if, I mean, what if Lamar Jackson was, was healthy for the fourth quarter? What if he was able to get some of his runs off? Could he have brought them back into the game? But I guess you're going to have to uh, put, put a pat on the back of the Bills for managing to gain that lead anyway in the fourth quarter. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the, the play, you know, Lamar and the Ravens, when they were 10-3 down, they were driving up the, the field. But as you mentioned, that pick six in the red zone, uh, yes, you know, yes. and 106 yards, I think it was, tied the NFL record. Like, it's just to come back from that. And then, like, two plays later, Lamar gets injured and goes off. Very tough for any team to come back from that, in fairness. And, yeah, as you think, the what if, what if Lamar had to stay on? But at the same time, by that stage, they had only put up three points. So there's, mm-hmm. it's not exactly, you know, they weren't exactly firing in all cylinders. But it was a windy day. And, it was and, tough. And, Windy, yes. Windy. Yeah. I was about to say that. I was going to say it looked like a, a conditions at the sports ground almost. Like it was, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it might as well. And is it Tucker, the, the Ravens kicker? Yeah, Justin Tucker. Yeah. Who's so consistent? Who has been, you know, the best, uh, the best field goal kicker in the last five years, and somebody that would jump at you if you had any sort of fancy draft or anything Justin Tucker would be the first person you'd take off the board and just could not get his kicking right with the wind and in fairness when you looked at the the video footage and the highlights from the game you know the posts were swinging back and forth so there must have been you know near gale winds in 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 Buffalo over the weekend because it definitely didn't have to kick him yeah, and the fact that he hit the, the post twice like just shows you how close yeah. he was to yeah. nailing very difficult kicks. But yeah, mm. look, he makes them two normally, you know, nine points, nine points three at half time was a totally different game. Um, but we have to talk about Lamar because obviously that's, you know, we haven't really seen a playoff game where he has really shone. Even the, you know the first round game there, he wasn't great, and he'd won one really big run that turned around the game for him, but. I think with Lamar is, I think he needs help in a way that a, a quarterback like Rodgers or 
Mahomes doesn't because of his throwing. We all know what he can do in his feet. We all know what he's you know he's probably the second best playmaker uh, behind Mahomes when it comes to that. But when it's actually like a quarterback where you're sitting back there and sometimes you got to make throws. I think he may need some help when it comes to wide receivers or uh, even offensive linemen because we ha- we do see him squirming a lot or we see him uh, you know trying to run out of the pocket a lot which um, isn't ideal. So I think he may just need a bit of help that maybe some other great quarterbacks don't, but. Um, we all know what his potential is, but what, like, what do you think, Lamar? Like, is it just unfortunately that he hasn't had a great few games, or is this something that is long term an issue for Baltimore? Yeah, I, I, I think you have to be patient when it comes to Lamar Jackson in ways because he's shown us so much potential so far in his career that you know he's able to boss certain games in the regular season, command the games. Uh, but I think he does need to shore shore up his passing, and I mean that interception in the third quarter ultimately swung the game uh, in the Bills' favour. And if you're going to be an elite quarterback, you can't be making those type of plays, especially, you know, when things matter so much. But I also think as well, you know, the offensive line could do it a bolster. And I think you're right in saying that some of his weapons as well, who he throws to because um, I think Andrews, their tight end, had a really, really good season last year. But I think a lot of defense is prepared for him this year. So it kind of nullified him a bit more. He obviously throws a lot to Hollywood Brown. But, you know, other than that, it, you know, you may bring up Willie Sneed. But they could probably bolster um, their, their offensive capabilities. But there's just, I think, a number of things they need to improve. Defensively, I think they played really well in this game. So it's hard to really call them out. But in terms of Lamar Jackson, I just think, patience I think I think he'll come good I have a good feeling about him and um it's it's a lot I guess it's hard to kind of compare with Josh Allen's a young quarterback as well and he's getting it done so it's I think it's certain his style of play it just depends on how he's able to mold with the team and it just hasn't clicked for them yet in the playoffs but it is something I think will come good soon yeah I think if I'm a Ravens fan I'm definitely willing to see it out <laughs> as an experiment, yeah, Ravens so, fan. Yeah, here we go. as a as the local Ravens fan here, I, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on Josh Allen as well, it wasn't a great game by him. Only like one, no. only one touchdown that came from the offense. So there was the pick six, obviously. And of the remaining four quarterbacks, if Mahomes is healthy, uh, by far the most inexperienced when it comes to this sort of stuff between Brady, Rodgers, and Mahomes. So, um, look, it's great for Buffalo to be even this this far along. They're going to give it a good shot, but I think they're, the race may be, may be run. But we'll move on to that Saints-Bucks game, uh, Tom, Brady, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. Uh, and they always say you cannot beat Tom Brady three times in a, in a season, uh, and they were true. Uh, that obviously is true because uh, the Bucks win uh, 30 points to 20, I think it was. This was... Um, this this game was kind of sad just because of how bad Breeze was. Uh, he just really he just really looked like an old quarterback, and it, it's almost it's even it's even more sad because to me it looks like his brain is working perfectly fine. He knows what's going on. It's just his body can't respond to the brain in a way that it, it used to be able to do. If if that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it does, and 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 I think people are quick to forget that. 
that Brady had such a bad injury uh, during the regular season. I think he fractured like six of his ribs uh, and he's definitely not 100%. And I know players are, are playing in these playoffs with injuries and, you know, it's not to be the, the be-all and end-all excuse. But at his age, you know, I really think maybe they rushed him back too quickly. Um, and maybe it's just because of a ceiling and, it, and the window he has left in his career, the window of opportunity, which apparently seems to be over, which is very sad. I mean, it's kind of iconic in a way that he got to play Tom Brady. Both of them had such an uh, illustrious careers as quarterbacks for their respective teams. And, uh, you know, we obviously saw the symbolic um, kids playing with, with Brady at the end of the game, which was great to see. But performance-wise, he underperformed, no doubt about it. And I think there was some stat late into the game that he hadn't thrown for a pass that was more than six yards, which is, you know, especially when you have such a talent on the on the receiving end of that Saints team is, is a shame. So I really think this was a coaching mishap. I think they should have brought in Jameis Winston, a more than capable backup quarterback that can let it fly. And I think once Breeze showed that he underperformed in the first, second quarter, I think he should have looked towards bringing in Winston. And I also think as well, it was unfortunate for the Saints, but they didn't have Taysom Hill this game, their Swiss Army knife. And he was out injured. I think a knee injury he picked up in the last game and he would have provided a bit of... Uh, kind of relief, I guess, for Breeze if 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 he wasn't getting his passes together. So not to have Hill was 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 pretty uh, unfortunate for the Saints, but not bringing in Vincent, I think, was uh, was a big mishap as well. Yeah, massively agree. I have that in my notes as well. Taysom Hill, yeah. is one of those players like we've seen Winston come in and they scored a touchdown uh, off one of the trick plays that he came in for, yeah. like he, and that was the longest, you know, it was a bomb of a pass and. Um, Taysom Hill being there as well would have just added a different dimension that the Bucks would have to have prepared for that they didn't have to prepare for. So that would have been huge mm-hmm. as well. But again, I think we just have to be reminded like Brady didn't look, you know, didn't look amazing. But by God, he can still throw the ball downfield. Like he, for a man yeah. of his age, it is incredible. And like we've seen. Breeze looked poor. We've seen Phil Rivers sort of, you know, definitely tail off, and now he's announced his retirement today. And Brady is still just chucking along like it's nothing. It, it's just incredible, isn't it? I I think I've missed that, but Breeze fully announced his retirement. No, Philip Rivers. Sorry. Oh, Rivers. Sorry. Yeah. Really, Rivers announced his retirement. Jesus. Today, I, I, yeah, was talk, his retirement. I was talking to you before the podcast that I'm off social media, so this is what I'm missing. Yeah. Out. Oh, I could I could have lied to you there and said something incredible, yeah. uh, and <laughs> you would have believed it. Damn. Brady retires before the championship game. Right? <laughs> before the game's over, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, it just it just goes to show you, Brady. Like, looks looks like a man, and owns a half his age, but not far off it. No, no, and look. <laughs> This narrative will be played up, win or loss, in this next game. The, what Tom Brady's managed uh, to achieve at 43 years of age. And let's be honest, no one in the history of sports has been able to do this at such a high level. You know, you can talk about the NFL being so distinctive in comparison to other um, sports where you can have, you know, people coming in there. And, you know, Brady is such an integral part of the game in terms of the 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 kind of how would you describe it? The, his mind that it has to be so active as a quarterback as well as his body. Um, and I mean, we might've seen it on an NFL field with Adam Vinatieri, uh, the veteran Colts kicker who played well into his forties, but that's a role I think to specifically designed for somebody. I think Ron O'Gara could probably come on and kick a few 
field goals like at his age uh so that that that's the kind of role that's designed for an older player but a quarterback that's so knees deep in 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 the offense and the, the opposition defense that has such a risk i guess physically to play and for him to do that 43 years of age and still come off as one of the best in the league and it's not ultimately a case of oh is tom brady a top 10 quarterback is he top 15 quarterback tom brady just wins matches uh, and he's got this bucks team to a championship game you know who are very talented. He's got a lot of weapons and stuff around him, but Brady's had a really good season. So there's no signs of him slowing yet. There's no Drew Brees game that we saw this weekend. Um, it all just depends on how much longer he wants to go. And I definitely think he's got longer than this season in him anyway. Yeah, well, Gronk has already come out and said he's coming back next year. So I can't see why Brady wouldn't. The only, the only time I could ever see yeah. Brady retiring is when his team have an awful year and he doesn't see potential in it and we mm-hmm. we can see already with this Bucks offense they have definitely potential you know Mike Evans Antonio Brown you've got Scotty Miller filling his role as the token white guy in a Brady offense which is always <laughs> uh, which is always great and he always seems to uh, find these guys who just are really they tend to do really well as in, in a Brady, Tom Brady offense so but you can see as well watching him the 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 passion and the 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 fight for the game hasn't dwindled at all He's still barking orders. He's still going after referees, and it's just, it is, it's incredible that he still has the drive to do it. Never mind the, uh, the actual ability to do it. But the definitely you touched on that really nice wholesome moment after the game when he was out with the kids and uh, and Drew Brees and and Brady there, and they do tend, they do seem to actually get on very well. And look, no one's in a better situation to understand what Brees is going through than Brady because they are the similar age and they've been through all of this together and. They hold all these records together. So that was really nice. And I don't think Tom Brady is an asshole. I think he is actually probably a nice dude. Just obviously on the pitch, he's he's a different animal. But um, mm. the, the big question, because all the reports coming out of uh, New Orleans before the game even was that this is going to be Breeze's last game. Um, what The question is, 15 years of Sean Payton and Drew Breeze... Uh, Johnny, back in the day, if I had told you one Super Bowl, would you have said that was enough? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't watching the NFL back then, so I can't give a lie and, and, and say what my thoughts were back then, because I would have asked you who you were talking about. But uh, if you're looking back, I guess, retrospectively on the careers of, 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 of Sean Payton and Drew Brees of tandem, you know, they, they've created such a a winning franchise over the years, a, a tough team to play against, a team that probably had some bad luck go against them in, in, in playoffs that they could have maybe had a little bit more success. But yeah, one championship does seem uh, almost, I wouldn't say devastating because Breeze has had such a good career, you know, other than that. But it's disappointing, I suppose. It's just one of those things where things didn't click for them in certain seasons. And a point back to two or three years ago where, Breeze was was pretty much MVP territory level quarterback, and that was you know him well late into his thirties. So he, to play at such a high level for such a long time, I know we're spoiled in this current era with with Tom Brady. But aside from uh, from Brady, Breeze has been pretty much the only other player to do it up until you know the the age of forty or whatever, whatever he is now. So it's he's had such a good career, and and Peyton as well, and they. I think still have so many pieces. Like you look at teams, even you look at Kamara, you look at Taysom Hill, if he can come back into the fold, you look at Michael Thomas, who's had a poor season, but you know, as the ability to step back up, like 
they're not in a rebuilding phase. The, the Saints can bring in a, a good high-level quarterback and be very competitive next year, um, even defensively, some very good pieces. So it's a weird situation for New Orleans to be kind of saying goodbye to somebody that's so beloved to their team. But it's almost exciting in a way for fans because they still have to live up to their potential of their current roster, which for me is, is a Super Bowl-level team if things can click. So, yeah, it's it's this point of a breeze, but not the end of the world for Saints fans, I think. Yeah, I agree, definitely. I think one Super Bowl, definitely, I think the over-under, looking back on a career like that, should definitely have been, say, two, two, two point, you know, two and a half, maybe three. Um, yeah. But, you know, for, for what he's done for that city... Patriots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Unfortunately, he was around the same time as Tom Brady and the Patriots. But uh, yeah. you know, looking back, as if someone was from New Orleans, what he's done for that city, and what you know, after Hurricane Katrina, and actually getting them to a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl, I think uh, every Saints fan is going to look back fondly on the Drew, the Drew Brees era, and uh, definitely deserves a good send off. But I totally agree that they have a good team. Their their uh, defense was really good uh, against that Tom Brady offense. Uh, so they're they're good on that side of the ball too. So it is just a case of getting someone in who you know just at the, at, the, at this stage in the career obviously offers more than Breeze does. Whether that's Taysom Hill full time, they still have Winston there, but um, whether they sign him on again, who knows? But um, that was that was that game. We'll move on to the last game then, which was uh, one of the, probably the most enjoyable game of all was Chiefs versus Browns. This was a really good game. It was early Sunday game for us, which always helps. Um, but the big thing for this game, well, obviously with the Holmes injury, but this was there for the Browns to be taken, wasn't it, Johnny? Absolutely. It was It was such a tense game, and you could kind of see it with the amount of penalties both teams were giving away, little niggly stuff. Like, both teams were so anxious and eager to, to get at the other on the offense and the defense that there was a lot of holding, a lot of silly stuff, false starts and the likes. Um, which I don't think had a big in- impact on the game because I think it kind of evened itself out for both teams. But yeah, this really was the Browns game for, for the taking. And I think it's kind of shows credit to the Chiefs kind of offensive structure and even just their defense and it being able to swarm Baker Mayfield because I think we'll probably both say Baker had a really good game. Um, it's It's strange to come out of these games and look at quarterbacks like Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield and not have many bad things to say about them, even though their team's lost because they put up admirable efforts. And Mayfield was aggressive, of course. He made a couple of mistakes through interceptions or whatever, but he had to be aggressive against that that Chiefs defense. And um, himself and Kareem Hunt had a really, really good game. And it, it all bowled down to that fourth quarter where the Browns were a touchdown away from 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 winning that game and Mahomes went off with the injury of course and um is it Henny the uh, the the Chiefs backup quarterback came in and pretty much won them the game uh with with a long run in the fourth quarter to get a first down which essentially meant that they could just uh stifle the ball then for the next 2 minutes so a credit to him, Chad Henney, don't really know much about him. I think he played, was it week 17 or something? He definitely had a, one game where we started ahead of Mahomes, but the, the the big questions here is on Mahomes and how healthy he'll be coming into the game. And I think regardless of how healthy he is, that if he's on a stretcher, they'll they'll wheel him out there on Tarahead and have him play, definitely. Yeah, it's the NFL, so definitely. He, he, like. 
realistically, for someone of his age, and they've signed him to a ten-year contract, they don't, they shouldn't play him this weekend. Let's be honest. People are saying that he wasn't actually concussed; that he was choked, um, which is laughable because if you're choked, yeah. you don't get up and then fall. You're choked out no. on the ground. Yeah. Um, so definitely was concussed, but they're already planting the seeds. Like Andy Reid came out today and said that he's feeling great, that he's you know they're, he's going to do a light practice and all this sort of stuff. So Mahomes will play whether he should or not. I, I don't think he should, but uh, you know uh, it's the NFL, so no one cares about that. Um, agreed totally with Baker. Baker played as pretty much as well as he would have hoped, um, and that's what's tough for the Browns fans is because going into this game, I don't think they actually. Obviously, they wish they had a chance, but whether they actually believed they had a chance, probably not. And to be that close and to did they really mismanage that fourth quarter? Like they got rid of two timeouts that they didn't need to. One with a silly challenge, and then one where Baker just didn't understand what the play or what was going on. That was two timeouts that if they had of had them still punting away the ball at the end wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But when you only have the one timeout left and you're up against an Andy Reid offense with with the weapons that he has between Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and all that, having the extra two timeouts there would have really made a difference. And even going for it on the fourth down instead of punting, like I know here or hindsight's twenty twenty and all that, but it really would have made a difference, I think, and that's nearly even harder to take because you were that close. Uh, you know, it's sort of like we mm. didn't expect to win, but then when you're that close, you want to do it. And but Baker definitely, you know, there was still a lot of talking about this year. Like, is Baker the guy for the Browns? I think we all can agree now. Baker is the quarterback that they need, um, yeah. and it's just a case of small other tweaks. And we've seen Miles Garrett got injured and. Couldn't really play a lot of the the, the play uh, the defensive snaps, which was massive as well. Um, Chad Henney, yeah, going from zero to hero after that awful interception. Like what? Like, I, look, I've never played American football. I don't understand, but what he saw on that play, I I have no idea. It was double coverage uh, and a play that just didn't need, need to need to be made, but he made it nonetheless. And but he came back as you said that run. He's been in the NFL seven years. He's one of them lads who's just. Never has been a starter, never has made that leap. But it must be tough saying that to constantly being, you know, clipboard on the side on the sidelines watching, especially underneath Mahomes, who's seemed invincible the last couple of years, to then be ready to go on to the to the pitch and play. And like Andy Reid gave him plenty of freedom to throw the ball around. It wasn't they weren't running every play. It must be tough to adjust that. You know, you can you can say it to yourself, I'm definitely prepared and all that, but when it actually comes to do it, that's a whole different situation. But um yeah, yeah the, and, and sorry, what are you gonna say? Oh I just can't seem to bring any comparison of a backup quarterback to any other sport. Like you bring on a striker with ten minutes to go in a game hoping to maybe draw a team level or score a goal. You know, you look at other sports like the NBA and stuff, you would have your sixth man who might close out a game for you or whatever. But the fact that so much relies on your quarterback and, you know, not giving away stupid passes like we did see Annie do. But then again, recovering from that, you know, how mentally frustrating and draining that must have been on him to throw that interception. He must have, you know, it must have taken some confidence to really got him back in the zone and think, no, I can get this game, win this game for us. And to make that run then the fourth quarter to get the first down was 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 incredible. I just don't know any other sport where 
somebody comes in that's so kind of down and out and not part of the team and then is basically the team is placed on their shoulders like a backup quarterback is not a not a fun position to be in i don't think no, the only one I can think of is like well, it's not as important as like a sub goalkeeper or something like that because of the position it is. Yeah, but yeah. it's still not near as involved as a as a quarterback. So yeah, it is. It is. No. It's strange. Um, Andy Reid at the end, and obviously got a lot of praise for his gutsy call. Um, when there were fourth and fourth and inches or fourth and one, uh, instead of taking this delay of game and punting it, that they they actually ran the they they ran a pass play for Tyreek Hill, but. Look, when as people say, it's it's smart, but it's also a no brainer. And a lot of Browns aren't expecting it. You've got Tyree Kill, you've got Travis Kelsey. Like you have these boys that can get open, especially at that distance. Why not? You know, instead of giving the ball back to the Browns for something fluky to happen, just kill the game. The ball's in your hands, kind of thing. So, but Andy Reid, fair play to him for that. Um, Tyree Kill, by the way, looks like a real asshole. I don't know, like just his antics. I really don't like him at all. Even after the game, he was like trying to find the cameras to talk. I don't like that shit at all. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll do, do a little preview. So obviously, we the Chiefs uh, will be hosting the Bills uh, this weekend as well. I think uh, yeah, we're, I think we're both in agreement. Mahomes is going to play regardless. Uh, unless he literally, unless he ta- unless unless he makes the call, then he'll be playing. No doctor that's independent for the NFL is gonna say no. So, I think they have they still have too much for the Bills. I think we're agreed there. Yeah, I mean, it, it look, it was it was the best lesson that the Chiefs could have had in trying to close out a game and at least make the most of the the minutes when Mahomes is on on the field because you know that that game was there for the taking for the Browns and. It was it was an, a great lesson for them in, in such that they know if they can get their offense flowing with Mahomes, with Kelsey, with Hill, uh, even the running back situation, Williams, Hardman, Le'Veon Bell is there somehow, and I keep I nearly forgot he was on the Chiefs team. Um, like they just have so many weapons. If they can get that flowing, they can get, they can uh, keep Mahomes healthy. They'll put up a lot of points uh, on the Bills. It's just inevitable. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. The Chiefs will find a way to to, to get the passes together to put 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 up some points. Uh, it just depends if the Bills can do the same. And the Bills have shown they can do the same with the the tandem of Allen and Diggs. And it, it's it's I feel like it's the, both defenses are are quite capable. I mean, they have to be capable to be in the championship game, but. I could see both offences rolling in this game for some reason and ultimately the Chiefs are, are definitely the most talented on that front. It maybe just seems a year too early for the Bills. The Bills are, are nearly there, but I agree with you in that. Yeah, it seems like the, it's the Chiefs game to, lo- to lose. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're going to get into a shootout, you don't want to be in a shootout with the Chiefs. That's not going to no, end well. No. Yeah, I think they have too much too. And then we have Tom Brady travelling to Lambeau to, to face Aaron Rodgers, which is great. I think that's yeah. a fantastic narrative, but I think um, personally, I think the, the the Packers have too much, especially offensively and defensively for the the Bucks. I think Tom Brady's had a year in nice weather. It's been a while since he's played in a really cold, you know, stadium where it's mm. windy and possibly snowy and stuff like that. And especially a man of his age, I, I just think that maybe the run is up. Fantastic run all, all the same. I think I think this is the Packers' year. So uh, what do you think about that game? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that the Packers are going to probably 
have a sizable lead by half time, uh, and it just depends off if if they can keep the the Bucks offense out. Tom Brady will rally late. We know what he's like. We know it's in him to kind of pull a clutch in fourth quarters. So maybe that might cause the Packers some issues. You know, trying to hold on to the game, but I really don't see anybody stopping that that tree headed monster as I've mentioned of of uh, of Rogers Jones and, and Devontae Adams. As long as they can all stay healthy because you know the season has been riddled with injuries and we've even seen quarterbacks go out in games. All injuries aside, the this is the Packers game to win definitely. Yeah, so Packers Chiefs Super Bowl sounds pretty fucking good to me. Tell you that it does, it does. Um, yeah, so we'll move on now to the UFC. As I said, first time we've really spoken about this on this podcast. Uh, as I mentioned before on your podcast uh, before, Johnny, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm on the outside looking in at the UFC. I, I keep an eye on some things, especially when it comes to massive fights. Uh, and McGregor, definitely at the start of McGregor's era, I was I was more tuned in. Um, so we have McGregor versus Dustin Poirier at this weekend on Saturday night in Fight Island. Um, it's uh, six years re- in the in the making for this rematch. Obviously, at that time, McGregor was very much uh, a new commodity. I think it was his fourth fight. I think in the UFC at that stage, no one really knew a whole. There was a lot of buzz about him, but no one really knew what he would become. Um, Poirier at that stage again was a bit of a different fighter than he was now. He's gone on to flourish as well. Think that what's important to note this fight, this fight is at one five five. Is that correct? Not one four five like it was before. Mm. Yeah, um, lightweight. So, basically, I think there's a, obviously McGregor is always a, a a circus that's involved with it. But what what Connor are you expecting to show up this Saturday? Are we going to get the Eddie Alvarez Connor McGregor, which is probably peak one, or are we going to get uh, a Khabib one or the first Nate Diaz fight kind of Connor McGregor? Yeah, that's the the million dollar question. When it comes to Conor McGregor, uh, an unpredictable character in terms of his mannerisms and you know his general goabouts, we've we've it's kind of hard to pinpoint what version of Conor McGregor you probably get on an average weekday, uh, let alone you know on a Saturday night. Just given all the trouble he's had over the last couple of years, but you know I I've kind of taken a step aside from interviews and stuff because I'm kind of a little bit tired of hearing the the McGregor interviews and you know I'm going to go on this run in this division I'm going to become this champion and that champion it it was very much believable a couple of years ago on his ascent I guess in the UFC but now you know McGregor's in a position now business wise where he can dictate what he does essentially and that's good and bad it's good in that he can probably fight for a title quicker than any fighter on the roster I'm pretty sure with a win here he's in the in the title picture straight away, uh, probably at any weight division, um, you know, lightweight or welterweight. But it's bad in a way because we see long absences. And I think he is butting heads a lot with Dana White, with the UFC brass. I think since the UFC were bought out a couple of years ago by Endeavor, uh, they lost the original Zuffa owners of uh, Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta, who were good friends of McGregor and seemed to really kind of buy into him and, and and give him a lot of kind of free will. And they had that kind of real trusting relationship where essentially they were able to keep McGregor in his boots uh, and and please him at the same time, which is a very difficult task. So now it's a it's this kind of struggle where he wants shares in the company and this and that. And I haven't watched any interviews, so I don't really know what his mindset is around that, but it's very business-oriented anyway with his proper 12 whiskey and this and that. But if you know, speaking from a pure martial arts point of view, 
we saw him earlier this year against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, I, I assume you uh, uh, saw that at the time. That was that was a very impressive fight, wasn't it? Um, it was yeah, it was a great finish by McGregor, but I don't know how difficult of a challenge uh, Cowboy put up at that stage of his career too. But it was a great on McGregor's side. Things was a fantastic fight to come back to. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. it was a person that he seems to get along with, seems to respect a lot. So he definitely would have put in work to, to in that training camp. Uh, also a fighter very much at the tail end of his career where realistically was never going to challenge him too much at the same time but um, look at McGregor I've been watching a couple of videos and obviously he's saying the right stuff because it's McGregor he's very he's very good at that side of things as well so but um, yeah it's not a coincidence that we saw McGregor at his best when he was fighting what nearly three times a year wasn't he at one stage he was fighting mm. up to that many times a year so fighting that regularly and you're obviously going to be top of your game and then we've seen the worst side of him when he did take the, the fight the break to fight Mayweather to take off all that time uh, and is off the or outside the octagon antics which obviously uh, we're not going to get into because it's we're talking about the fight but you know a lot of distractions and that that's going to come with the fame and the business side of things it's inevitable unfortunately um, but he's again saying all the right things I was saying to you before the, the UFC are so good at making these videos and they, they suck you right back in and uh, yeah. like I'm excited now for this fight now you know just from watching a couple of things on it but uh, mm. but on the, we're talking a lot about McGregor obviously Dustin Poirier on other side of things he's a very much different fighter than he was uh, after the, for that first fight between McGregor and him as well I think he said at the time you know because McGregor was such an unknown quantity, like he let his emotions get to him. Remember, even in the build up to that fight, he was saying like, "I've never wanted to beat someone so badly." And I think he said like he let that get 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 to him. He he let it impact his game plan, and he felt that the world was against him in that fight because, you know, he was fighting in America, he was fighting in Vegas, but the whole crowd was Irish, and you know, everybody wanted McGregor to win, and that must be tough to face again. But we've seen since that like he's gone on to beat the likes of Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, you know, Anthony Pettis, Max Holloway. These are no these are no slums by any uh, by any uh, measure. So Poirier, what can you tell us about the real difference between him back then and him back now uh, and him nowadays? Yeah, yeah, no it's and I mean uh, it's it's well said there to give shine to his resume because it's it's incredibly decorated. That lightweight division has been known for the last five or six years to be the strongest in the UFC, very top-heavy top in that any of those top 10 fighters can win any fight on any given night. And Parier has ticked off most of the top ones bar pretty much Khabib. So he's he's a completely different fighter in ways. I think the weight is a big issue here as well because he immediately moved up to lightweight after fighting McGregor. He was cutting way too much weight. And we obviously can draw a comparison between getting knocked out and cutting a lot of weight. And, you know, the same can be said, uh, I guess, for McGregor and that he's moved up since then as well, since since he had his featherweight run, essentially. Um, but this version of, of Dustin Poirier is, is, is a real threat to, to McGregor. And the style of fight will suit McGregor in so far as the real thing, I think it's it's common knowledge amongst any MMA fan, is that McGregor, you know, doesn't doesn't like to wrestle. He doesn't like to... For the fight to be fought in a grappling exchange, and you know, Khabib Nurmagomedov is basically the the anti McGregor fighter built essentially to to stifle all of his offensive weapons. Whereas Dustin Poirier, 
is is kind of a, a good matchup for McGregor, and that's the most intriguing thing about this. Uh, it just depends on whether he will allow or facilitate McGregor to really get his his offense off. And Poirier has shown in other fights he has great wrestling capability. He can grind out fights up against the cage and it might not make for the most exciting fight but he finds a way to win and that's very important and one of the prime examples was his win over a fellow Irishman Joseph Duffy who was on the rise signed with the UFC had the win over Conor McGregor they were blowing a lot of smoke up him and Dustin Poirier came out wrestled him just beat him to a pulp over over a number of rounds and um you know you could see a similar performance in 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 this if McGregor's not able to to keep things up on the feet so he he's he's a threat he's he likes to brawl though and that's the one thing that kind of in the back of my mind I think if you're brawling with Conor McGregor you're going to pay for it at some point in the fight and it just depends on that but then again you know, Dustin Poirier has been going out fighting the best of the best, the lightweight in the last couple of years, and Conor McGregor's been sitting on his arse, let's be honest. So, you know, that experience, that advantage, I guess, of of having the experience of fighting the top fighters and the mixed martial arts game progresses at a rapid pace. It's, it, the top fighters a year or two ago can be nobodies if they don't adapt their game and, and improve as time goes on. So we did see McGregor in a favourable matchup, you're right in saying, against Don Cerrone in January. He looked great on this and that. But this is a whole new test. And I, I think it'll probably play out a bit more like the, the Diaz fights that we saw. It will be a bit of a brawl. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I think Poirier coming off a, a very incredible win against Dan Hooker where he mm. won, you know, five to nine. It was a bloodbath. I, that definitely has to stand to him more than McGregor's 32nd. Was it 32nd on a minute against yeah. Cerrone? Yeah. Like, you know, even, as you said, even the last couple of years, he's had way more preparation or way more fights than McGregor has. But even the last couple of months. So that has to stand to him as well. He should. I think the, the lack of a crowd, that should suit, that should favour Dustin, do you think? Yeah, 100% because McGregor feeds off the energy of the crowd. Like you mentioned it there in their first fight, the fact that it was in Vegas and the Irish presence was so strong. You know, that Irish presence is strong in every McGregor fight up until now. And he, he has had that advantage, I guess, going into the octagon. So it's going to be fair game. It'll be no home territory for either fighter. And, you know, we haven't seen McGregor fight in front of a crowd with no fans and I wonder how that will affect him. I think he's one of the more mentally tougher fighters, so I don't think he really lets the crowd affect him too much, but it's still uncharted territory for, for him, and we've seen Paria, as you mentioned, against Dan Hooker in the UFC Apex with nobody there, small gym, essentially, uh, and he thrived in it. So that's, again, another advantage for, for Dustin Paria going into it. Before I get a prediction on you, Johnny, what what do we what do you think we will see? So we'll play out the scenarios. McGregor wins. What's is it? Is it a title shot? Is it Khabib coming out of retirement? What do you think happens? I mean, that's the money fight. I think that could break pay per view records if Khabib does come back. It just depends. I think Khabib is a very honourable and respectful person, and you know, very integrated with his religion and his culture. And I think. Of all people to come out of retirement, it would be a, it would be a little bit strange for Khabib to do so after he made promises to his uh, past father and said he would you know he it took a lot of emotion and mental capacity for him to come out and actually fight after his father had died. So uh, I would be surprised if if there's a Khabib 
kind of coming out of retirement just for this McGregor fight because he's essentially silenced them in the past. But it, this would it, it has to be title fights because at, at this stage of McGregor's career, you know he can go off and and fight the the likes of the Dustin Poirier's and main events and bring in big pay per view numbers. But he's looking at his legacy. He wants to rack up title wins and make history. And if he gets a win, it's it's definitely some sort of title fight next. And on the flip side, if Dustin gets the the win. What's next for him? Probably title fight again because, you know, as much as Conor McGregor might not be, you know, the top-ranked opponent to go in and if he's able to impressively kind of dismantle McGregor in given the stakes and the crowd, I think he's back towards a, a title shot as well. Yeah, very good. Excited. So come on, John, give us, get off the fence now. Give us a prediction here that we can <laughs> go and put loads of money on. Well, it's 50-50. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, would... <laughs> yeah. Both, both guys are going to try really hard. <laughs> I think uh, it's the participation that counts in this, Stephen. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. Look, I, we mentioned Parier underrated resume uh, at 155. It just depends, I think, a lot more on him than what we see in McGregor. And I say that in that, it, it, it's how well he game plans for McGregor. And... You know, the way he fights, his brawl and style, he takes a lot of damage. He kind of banks a bit too much on his durability for my liking, especially with someone with the punch and power of Conor McGregor because, you know, Conor McGregor, if even if he's not the greatest grappler in the world, even if he doesn't have the best cardio, if he can land one or two left hooks in the first round, that's game over. Uh, and I do see that opportunity uh, probably presenting itself in the first round, whether... McGregor's able to capitalise on that and finish him I, I, I'm not too confident but I see it kind of being a bit of a ropey round for, for Parry the first round to kind of to start off just given the occasion I know there's no fans but it's Conor McGregor um, and then he probably will settle into the fight as time goes on probably mix in his wrestling and stuff but ultimately it's just the power of McGregor and, and you know we saw it is his killer instinct again, albeit against Donald Cerrone but He's he's a, he's a predator when when he turns things on. So if if we get the right version of Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor says he doesn't ex- expend himself too much in the first round, looking for the first round finish, which I don't think we will. I think he'll be pretty patient in this fight. Uh, I see this probably going into the third, and McGregor landing something. I I just don't think it can go longer than than, than two or three rounds without McGregor somehow finding a, a way. And I don't believe too much in. Dustin Poirier's durability, he's been knocked out before and I think he can be again. So going for McGregor third round knockout. Nice. You heard it here first, people. Yeah, put the mortgage on it. Put the mortgage on it. No, uh, Dustin yeah, Poirier look- first round submission now. <laughs> yeah, submission, yeah. Or a boring decision or something like that. <laughs> uh yeah, look, I, as I said, I'm not I'm not a big McGregor fan when it comes to him as a person, but there's no doubt he is incredibly entertaining to watch fight and even to build up to a fight. So I hope we get the best McGregor back 100% because it means more exciting fights than you might get Khabib at a retirement if he does. Uh, and that would be incredible too. So I, I, I hope he does win. I like Dustin Poirier. I think he's a, he's a nice guy. So I won't be upset if he wins either. But um, the big question I think is, and I think everyone listening to this will have the same kind of question is, will they get up at five o'clock in the morning to, to watch it? Uh, so if you are best of luck to you and I hope you stay awake uh, but yeah we'll we'll talk about it again next week uh, Johnny for recapping some NFL or some NBA so um, as always appreciate you uh, coming on 
make sure anyone uh, uh, listening goes over to Atlantic Sports um, the podcast and check it out on Twitter Instagram whatever you have to do uh, give it a listen there the quiz is up lately and is season 2 coming soon or has it already started yeah. that's it season 2 season 2 has launched with the uh, with the the quiz episode of dreams uh, with the 6 of the most intelligent minds in American sports coming on trying to vie for the title so we'll not give it in the way but yeah we're coming uh, out with actually a fun podcast uh, to either tomorrow or Friday where we'll go back over the whole McGregor's um, Paria first card uh, UFC 178 because our MMA podcast is not very kind of in the moment we don't review fights we kind of go back over the history of the sport and we thought why not in the build up to a McGregor fight go over that that card and that that first fight so definitely stay tuned for that coming out that sounds yeah that sounds interesting uh, yeah will I will love to listen to a podcast whenever McGregor ha- hangs them up officially uh, yes. going back to the story because it's just going to be incredible but yeah. um, Johnny I appreciate it as always thank you for taking the time out and we'll do it again next week see you then bud perfect sounds good